You're listening to the Sensuality Project Podcast, where the messiness of real life gets sexy, hosted by Stacey Herrera. This podcast is intended for mature audiences only. Episodes contain profane language and topics of a sexual nature that may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion is strongly advised. I'm so glad you're here again, joining me for another episode of the Sensuality Project podcast hosted by moi. Um, I am just enjoying this so much. I, oh my goodness, the conversations that I have been having has have been just so expansive. Like, I just feel so nourished every single time. Every woman brings some new flavor. I learn something new with every single chat. It's just amazing. I hope that you're feeling how I'm feeling. So my guest today, oh, my sister friend, Mia Davis. I cannot say enough about Mia. Mia and I are in the same coaching circle. And we, when we met, we immediately vibed. Like we immediately had a connection. It was almost like I remembered her. Like, it was just so amazing. Like, we just got along from the very beginning. And so we decided that we would be emotional accountability partners. Like, that wasn't a thing, but we made it a thing. And it's been great. Like, we check in with each other. You know, it's like, how's your heart, sister? Like, we ask those kinds of questions. We're able to be really raw and vulnerable. Nothing's off limit. Everything is accepted. It's just great. I love her so much. You're going to love her too. In this conversation, we talked about all kinds of good stuff about like thank yous and gratitude and money and money stories and receiving and accepting. And oh my goodness, we t- <laughs> it's just so, so good. In fact, one of, one of the my favorite things that Mia says in this conversation is we have an idea in our minds of what love is supposed to look like, feel like, and taste like. And and we do, right? We do have these preconceived ideas about what love is and what it's supposed to be like. And we talk about that in this episode. She's just so expansive, so insightful, so amazing. She is just I, I, I'm inspired. I'm inspired every time I see her work, every time I hear her voice, every time we communicate. And I know you're going to love her just as much as I do. And as always, you will be able to find the show notes um, to this episode on my website where and I give you access to any of the resources we mentioned, which actually we mentioned some great books in this episode. So you definitely should check out the show notes page, share this episode with your sister friends, because we are starting a movement. Hello, movement. So share this episode with your sister friends, and I'm going to stop talking now. Give it a listen. Okay. Edible undies or crotchless panties? Wow, what an opening question! <laughs> I thought of that right before, right before, uh, right before we got on. <laughs> okay, say it again. Let's see. Edible undies or crotchless panties? Hmm. Well, you know, I like food. Right. <laughs> <laughs> As soon as you said edible, I'm like, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) 
I would have to, you know, I would have to go with, with the edibles because not just that, but because I've never tried them. And that's something I've always been curious about. I tasted a pair a long time ago. They probably are better now. I remember not enjoying them very much, but this was probably, gosh, probably early 2000s. So I'm sure now they probably taste better. I would, I would hope so. I mean, if I had to choose a flavor that I would want to try, it would probably be like a, like a chocolate ex- espresso. Mmm. Look, like I'm already that. tasting that in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm already tasting it in my mouth. I immediately thought of like a chocolate stout beer. Because I love, I love dark beer. Like I love yeah. dark, heavy beer. And as soon as you said chocolate espresso, that's what I thought about. Nice. Yeah. Now I, I have tried Guinness and yes. I do, I do, you know, and I've heard stories. My friends used to say, oh, you know, it's too heavy. It's nasty. It's this and that. And I tried it and I was like, I'm a fan. I like, okay. I like the dark, rich, Me too. you know, I really do like that dark, deep flavor. Have you have you tried have you tried Guinness with a scoop of vanilla ice cream? Oh my god, don't bring my world Girl. down. No, I have not. Look, <laughs> look, get you some this weekend. It's so good. Like it seems strange. Like, why would you put ice cream in beer? When I tell you it is delicious. Uh-huh. Guinness really? with vanilla bean ice cream. Mm. I could That's eat it like all. That's like an adult root beer float almost. yes it is heavenly mm. it's so good i mean it's super filling though because you know guinness is filling anyway but once right. you add the ice cream it's really filling but it's so good now do you have a specific vanilla ice cream that you would use with that you know i really enjoy haagen-dazs vanilla bean but i also yeah. like um talenti vanilla bean gelato Okay, so I ha- I actually have some of that in my freezer. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Like, all you need is a Guinness. It's so good. Like, it's really good. Surprisingly good. Okay. That's a, you know what? That's an amazing, like, Saturday night, you know, just shut-in movie kind of a kind of a deal for me. That sounds like a plan in the motion. Yeah, so heavenly. And on a Saturday night with a Guinness float... The only thing you need to accompany it is some homemade popcorn popped in coconut oil. <laughs> See, you know, I knew that I would be hungry <laughs> after our call today. You're gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go grocery shopping and stock up on all these delicious things. Well, yes. you have to tell me how you enjoy it. I definitely will. Okay, Definitely. so now now I'm going to ask you a questions from Dirty Minds because these these are fun and they get people every time. So okay, okay, let's see. I'm going to give you three clues and then you tell me what the item is. Ooh, okay. You are usually naked when you come inside of me. I'm hot and moist. You wipe up with a towel when you're done. That was the immature laugh that <laughs> that comes out with these kind of things. Um, a shower. You're really close. I'm really close. Yeah, it's shower-like, but without 
the running water? A bath. Close. It's in that realm, though. It's tiled, typically. It's tiled? Yeah, just like a bathroom would be tiled. It's like tiled like that. Oh, this is a room. It's like mm-hmm. a like a bath. A, a steam room. A steam room. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> like you're usually naked when you come inside of me and but... I'm hot and moist. And you wipe up with a towel when you're done. <laughs> Ooh, that is dirty, but it's so great. <laughs> right? Yes. That's one of my favorites. I like that. Okay, so the last the the last question is Mm -hmm. well it's more of a more of a a a rate sure question. So rate your capacity for pleasure on a scale of one to ten. Wow. That's quite a question. You know, I'm gonna have to say this is something that in my life I has been a back and forth struggle for me is is the pleasure part. So, but I would say right now in my life and this is a step up, I would I would say a 6. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you have asked, if you have asked me this question a year ago, it probably would have been a 2 somewhere really? in that range. What changed yeah. in the last year? Um, well, number one, becoming single. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that definitely happened and, and that needed to happen in order to explore um pleasure. Most people, you know, would think it it would be the opposite, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was more of me exploring my own individual pleasure that that needed to, to happen. That was something I was very closed off to. So last year this time, I was more in a place of, you know, trying to build business, trying to find clients. I was more in a masculine seat of Mm. go, 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 you know, on the daily grind, as they say, on the hustle, as they say. And by the time, you know, night came, I'd have to think, you know, did I eat dinner? Um, Should I take a bath? No, I don't have the you know, I don't have the energy to take a bath right now. I'll just take a quick shower, you know, that sort of thing. I was really cutting myself off from all the things that I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. you know, and that actually, in my opinion, kind of pushed me to the edge. Like I, I became very burnt out being in that masculine energy for so long. And you know, it's, I think that it's so interesting how, and because I've had a, a, a similar experience how in a relationship that is no longer serving us mm-hmm. how we we start to withhold pleasure in yeah. a way and, and it, at first it it almost feels like because sometimes it's completely unconscious sometimes it's completely conscious but for me it was mm-hmm. completely unconscious but a, a withholding pleasure from my partner because there was some resentment, but it ends up turning into me completely withholding pleasure from myself, not just sexual pleasure, but pleasure yeah. in, in all aspects of my life and, and being completely un, completely clueless because mm-hmm. there were moments of good times, you know, like, so, so you don't even right. realize that you're not experiencing pleasure. 
and that's the key there is that I wasn't aware of that. And I had been doing this for three years, mm-hmm. you know, not aware, you know, and I think that is, that's very telling of society today. We're all kind of on the hustle, hustle, got to make money, you know, got to pay bills, got to do that. Very masculine minded, you know, mm-hmm. driven. And it definitely has its place. But as women, you know, it's like if you go too much to the extreme, you do. And it's like you forget what pleasure feels like, tastes like, you know, looks like. You, you just, your mind kind of puts it in the background, you know, mm-hmm. kind of packs it up and puts it in the garage, so to speak. And yeah. um, that was a very interesting thing for me to to experience because, you know, before before the relationship, I was a woman who, you know, you put on a good song or, you know, I put on a pop on a belly dance CD or go take a belly dance course. I love to dance, love to cook, love to take baths. It doesn't matter if it's 6 a.m. or, you know, midnight. You know, I always, you know, kind of indulged myself in that way. And as the relationship started to progress, it was like that became the decline because I was feeling unsatisfied. I was feeling like I couldn't express that side of myself as much as I could in the beginning. And so slowly, and it's so gradual, you don't even realize it's happening. You just realize you're becoming unhappy. Mm-hmm. And then there was that moment where I was just like, I don't know when is the when was the last time that I actually just sat outside and closed my eyes and put my feet in the dirt and just felt the sun on my skin and just took a deep breath and just was there, was present. That became something of the past. And I didn't even realize it, you know. So so that was your experience is like so many. I know I've been there. Um, I've been there more more than once. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, more than one time. Um, I think that it speaks so much too as a woman. And my, like one of my most important things in this lifetime is being really good at relationships. And but that what I didn't know a long time ago that I know now is that has to begin with being really good at the relationship with myself. And mm-hmm. as a woman, it's so easy to be it's so easy to get so immersed in the supporting and the loving of somebody else that, that you lose yourself. And sometimes it looks like sometimes losing yourself in a person looks like being a junkie, you know, like where you need a hit Mm -hmm. of that person. And I've been that woman too. (laughs) Like I've been her. Yeah. Uh, But sometimes it looks like the, the hit doesn't always look like that. Sometimes it looks like, needing to provide some kind of solace for the other person or trying Mm -hmm. to be super accommodating of their, of their needs, of their insecurities, of their desires, and at the detriment of your own. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I I mean, I, I think that I've been her the majority of my life. Wow. Wow. And what was the turning point for you? Um, I, you know, I remember there were a few pivotal moments. Like I definitely remember the moment when I realized that I had become addicted. I thought I was addicted to a person 
but it turns out I was addicted to the wound that that person could recreate for me. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, and I wish I could say that it goes away ever. It doesn't. It's just that the recognition comes sooner and the recovery time is is faster. Wow. So it's that's- not, yeah, it's it. It's interesting, but I, I I really thought I was addicted to the person. But once I sat in it and it and it was several days of me literally sitting with the discomfort of wanting to be with this person and not taking action on it, which I right. hadn't done before. Usually, you know, you feel the craving and you immediately go to quench the craving. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of doing that, and I have no idea why I decided all of a sudden to not, because <laughs> it wasn't something I was consciously doing, um, yeah. but, but in the sitting in it after like three days, cause it wouldn't, it wouldn't be all day long. It was once I got settled, it was once, you know, the day has gone by, I'm done working and now there's stillness. And that's when the craving or the yearning would arise and Mm. so that went on like three evenings in a row like so three three times in a three days in a row that feeling came up for me and once it came up and I really sat in it by day number three I was like oh my goodness I am what I'm craving is my I had this desire to trade duty for love because that was a familiar pattern for me. I was really, really good at trying. I was really good at doing things to get my mother's attention. And Mm -hmm. so as an adult, when I no longer was doing that, playing that game with my mother, and, and it's not something my mother did on purpose either, but I learned it as a child and it's like, oh, when I do this, she sees me kind of thing. And as, as an adult, I recreated that experience though with men And so I would choose these men that were emotionally unavailable so that Mm -hmm. then I could do my thing and then they would see me all of a sudden. And so in this one particular person, though, Mm -hmm. I thought it was all about him. Like I loved the way I I loved how my body felt when I was with him. Mm -hmm. I loved our our conversations and I loved that I felt safe, you know, Mm -hmm. in his presence and all of those things. So I thought it was all about him, but it wasn't. It was that, again, like I felt really safe when I was with my mother and I felt really, you know, um, comforted in her presence, whether she was talking to me or not. Um, And I felt really excited and seen when I did something that she was able to see me and acknowledge me. And I just recreated that behavior and that pattern and that same, he fed the wound. Right. Right. Yeah, he he, were, fed, he fed the wound. As a famous, or I should say a very wise woman once told me, he was your wound mate. Yep. He absolutely <laughs> was. He absolutely was. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting, though. Um, and again, that doesn't go away. <laughs> like, it doesn't go away. Right. It never goes away. It's not like, oh, yeah, I never, I don't do that anymore. You know, I don't, I still feel it. I just Mm -hmm. don't act on it. But there have been times since that experience where it snuck up on me and I didn't recognize it. And Mm -hmm. it took me, you know, a little bit of time to be like, why am I 
feeling like this about this person. And sometimes it's not even romantic. Like I've had the experience like in friendships where, you know, um, re- feeling discomfort or feeling like something isn't right with a friendship, but mm-hmm. but liking the person and and then, you know, having some experiences or hearing some thoughts or seeing some behaviors and just kind of brushing them aside um, right. and then still trying to be all of the things that that person needed to. And then it's like, oh, shit, that's that. I'm doing that thing again. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's so it's so interesting when you when we catch ourselves right? in the moment, you know, it's like it's like it's you, you kind of snap out of it. But I can I can completely relate to what you're saying because I would I had the same thing you know I come from a family of I'm one of 10 children you know so you can imagine you know feeling like you're you're being seen and heard with nine other people running around you know and being very close to my parents my mom and my dad that was important to me you know especially as the family grew you know when when they were having my younger siblings and there's six that are under me. Wow. And so yeah, yeah, we're we're a football team just about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but having all of those those siblings, there were times in my life, you know, and this is me realizing it as a grown woman, that I absolutely just wanted attention from my mom or attention from my from my dad. And I can remember one incident that sticks out in my my head. I can remember Um, I had just had a little cold and I was in bed and I can remember heating up the thermometer on the lamp and then telling my mom or calling for my mom saying, I have a temperature, you know, (laughs) I have a fever just so that she would come and spend time with me. And I was getting acknowledgement, you know, or, you know, other ways that I would try to, to be seen is by getting better grades than my siblings. You know, I was straight A's through, you know, from kindergarten all the way through um, through my graduate school, you know, and there was a part of me that just wanted to stay at the top of the list. I didn't realize at that time that I was really just, I was craving that acknowledgement. I was craving to be seen and heard. And so in relationships, just like you, I was really good at doing things in order to get attention. You know, I would go on cleaning sprees, clean the house top to bottom. You know, I'd cook big meals. I would go above and beyond what was typically what I expected of myself or what even the other person expected of me, just so that it'd be like, wow, Mia, you know, you're amazing. You did this. And I didn't realize that that was my way of in rela- any type of relationship of being acknowledged for who I was and when you realize that it's like like you said it's like oh shit like (laughs) I did that (laughs) who am I (laughs) you know it's it's really um it's a tough thing like you said to to sit with that you know to sit with the uncomfort the uncomfort of knowing um how you have been in in your relationships or what you have been, the ways in which you have been showing up in your relationships or even in the world, the things that you have done from that wound place 
in order to be considered in a certain way. You know, it's very interesting to me that that happens. And I think for me, that acknowledgement, though, after you get past the the shame and the guilt that might come out, because those things absolutely come up, you know, they don't have to stay in the room, but they do come up. And after you can get past all of that, that's when the true healing of all that comes. And then you can create a new way of being for yourself and feel empowered that you have the choice from this point on, since you have the awareness now, you can choose to stay in that place or to do something different. And it's absolutely a practice, but it's also a choice within that practice. And that's been a really key thing for me. I I agree. And, and I resonate with everything that you said. And, you know, I had forgotten about the times when I played sick until you said that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hear one. <laughs> you know, um, most, some, some of the time I definitely mm-hmm. remember. Oh, and this one is graphic. Um, I remember in seventh grade, I did not like seventh grade. I didn't like it at all. I didn't like the school that I went to. My mother insisted that I go to the same middle school as my older sister. And my older sister is, she's still like the most popular kid in school. You know, like even at her job, like she's the one that everybody wants to be her friend. And um, so she's, she always had a huge, you know, um, pool of friends in school. And she still is like that at work. And going to school with her, I felt even more invisible um, because, mm-hmm. of course, she didn't want to be bothered with me all the time um, <laughs> at school. Right. She didn't me at home. Um, and she was a ninth grader and I was a seventh grader. But I remember I just I didn't I just felt like I didn't fit in at all in seventh grade. And mm-hmm. I remember getting my period and intentionally mm-hmm. letting intentionally not changing my pad so that it would get mm-hmm. on my skirt so that my mother would come and get me. Wow. And then like tying my sweater around my waist mm-hmm. and going to the nurse's office. But I did it on purpose. Right. But, but right. Going to the nurse's office. And so she, so she could call my mother to come and get me. Wow. Because my mother, even though like we, I, we went to school in the Valley, which was probably about an hour away from my house. But even even my mother driving out there, I knew she wasn't going to take my sister out of school, too. She would just right. it would just, she would just pick me up and it would just be me and her. Ah. And I and I did a lot of things um, in terms of like just me and her stuff. Like my mother was an early bird. I am still a morning person because I developed that habit as a child, Mm -hmm. because if I got up really early, I could have my mother all to myself. Wow. It's amazing how we (laughs) how we do these things just just for that that attention. And here it is. I'm going to be 44 and I still, <laughs> I still get up early like that. My mother doesn't anymore. Now that she's older, she's like, Mm-mm, I sleep in, but I still get up early, but I developed the habit because mm-hmm. my mother would get up early, especially like Saturday mornings. My mom would get mm-hmm. up early to do laundry and I'd get up early, you know, especially when we didn't have a washer and dryer in our house and we'd mm-hmm. go to the laundromat, you know, my mother, my mother's really a neat freak. So she liked mm-hmm. to be at the laundromat 
at, you know, 6 a.m. when they opened and mm-hmm. I would get up really early with her. We'd go there and, and we'd have we'd have um, hot chocolate and croissants. Um, while Ooh, we waited, for, yeah, I would get up early for that, right? Like while we waited <laughs> for the the washing machines to stop, you know, before we put the clothes in the dryer, and then I would fold towels and socks and panties. That were those were my jobs, and my mother mm-hmm. did all the other things, and um, and I was like her little helper. Same thing, like before, like holiday meals. You know, the night before the holiday, when your mom's up all night cooking, yeah. I was up all night cooking with my mother whether I was chopping onions or whatever, like uh-huh. I, I was always the one because that was the, that was the only time that I really felt seen by her was if I was doing wow. things like that and it, and it never went away. Wow. We just learned how to navigate it, yeah. but those urges are still, they're mm-hmm. still there. I mean, mm-hmm. I, and it's interesting hearing you talk about your mother. Cause I'm, I'm sitting here in my mind, I'm like, do we have the same mom? Right. Because <laughs> I feel like we're the same person because everything <laughs> that you have done, you know, I had an older brother. Uh, we were 10, we're 10 months apart and he was, you know, the popular kid in high school. You know, I was more of the quiet, artistic, you know, kind of in that category um, nerd, you know, is what my label was. And he was more outgoing. You know, he sung, he played the drums. Um, he was on track and tennis and you know, I was just in art and science and the newspaper, <laughs> you know, and um, and so he always had a crowd of friends, you know, whereas I I never really did. You know, I would have maybe one or two close people and that was that was, you know, it. And just just seeing how open he was and how how much attention he got, I used to long for that. But. I I went about it in a way that was more from a wounded place, you know, was more from insecurity, not from I'm confident and here I am. And, you know, I just want to be around you people. It was more of, I hope you like me, you know, I'm going to wear this outfit. So maybe I'll get seen, you know, um, I'm going to join this club with my brother just because he's in it. And maybe I'll get the same kind of accolades that he does with his friends. And um, when I look back on that, if I could have talked to myself, my high school self, be like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, you are exactly where you need to be and who you need to be. But that, that need for attention and for acknowledgement, you know, it, it runs really deep. It definitely does. I, yeah, it totally does. Oh my goodness. (laughs) <laughs> I, I can't even believe some of the, I, I had forgotten about so much of that. Wow. Until now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I've, I don't, I don't think I've ever shared that period story before. Because wow. I, because I forgot about it. But I remember, I remember exactly what I was wearing. It was oh my this, goodness. this gray skirt that my mother made for me and it had, and she had made a, this the the top was patterned but it had like kind of like um deep burgundies and maybe dark purples in it and my sister had the exact same outfit but her mm-hmm. but the like the same colors but like the actual the way it looked was different but i remember my i remember exactly that i was wearing that interesting wow that's so now it's all like we're unearthing the onion is being peeled and yep. <laughs> the layers are being revealed 
so wow. fascinating. Oh my yes, goodness. Well, conversations are always like this anyway. <laughs> it is. I always have an aha moment or something where it's just like, oh my God, I got to write this down. I got to take some notes. You know, there, there's so much juice in our conversations. It's yes. always a beautiful thing. Well, let's have some intercourse questions now. This is just the okay. intercourse portion of our conversation. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm going to ask you three fill in the blank questions. Okay. And just first thing pops in your mind. Look, and, and this is, I wrote this after, as we were talking, I was like, okay, this is good. Okay. So okay. I, I feel loved when. Ooh, I love that question. I feel loved when I clear my schedule and I take time to sit and be still and to actually literally feel love. Oh, that's, that's when I felt, you know, that was a hard thing for me before. You know, how do you cultivate inner love? How do you love yourself? You know, we hear it all the time, self-love this and self-love that. And I was like, when? Like, I can do a lot of different things. But when I'm just still and I acknowledge and I really truly believe that we all are love. We come from love. We are love. And so when we really get that, and I only get that when I can sit still and, and really focus on that. And that's the beautiful moment for me. Wow, that's so expansive. Yeah. Okay, I feel worthy when. Mm. Me and that word have had, we've had words before. <laughs> <laughs> Me and worthy used to not get along at all. <laughs> mm. You know what? And my my answer might be a little bit... Um, circular here but to be quite honest I feel worthy when I allow myself to feel worthy mm. and I say that because I feel like we're born worthy you know there's nothing extra that we have to do and that's been something I had to be reminded of and so the only thing that has kept me from that has been cutting myself off from feeling that and the only thing I have to do to get back to that, you know, I don't have to pay for anything. I don't have to, um, you know, try to get anybody's affection or attention. I just have to, to make a mental and heart connection. So wait a minute. I need to just allow this because it's already there. I'm just shutting a part of myself off from it. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're so insightful. Let me tell you, you have been a definite, definite part of this journey to insightfulness for me. Well, that this makes, is brand new. That makes two of us because I feel so nourished every single time we talk. Oh, beautiful. Ditto. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, last question. Okay. I, I feel seen when? Hmm. Now, this one I will have to take a breath on. Um, I feel seen 
I feel seen when I actually take a moment to expand myself. And what I mean by that is, you know, we have these moments, and you and I have talked about this, where we are either very expansive in our energy or we're very contracted in our energy. And that could be, you know, waking up, being contracted can be just waking up, worrying about bills and all of, you know, life stresses. And there's a part of you that kind of shrinks. You want to stay in a house. You want to, you know, put the covers over your head. You just want to, you want to hide. And even though you're hiding from the world, you're also hiding from yourself. So when I actually take the time to get up, to go out into nature, really, and to spread my arms and to take a deep breath and to go for a walk and feel air in my lungs, that's when I really feel seen. And when I say seen, it's not, it doesn't matter about who else is around. It's just that's when I see myself and I feel like the universe sees me and that's when I'm at my best is because I'm not worried about anybody else or anything else. I'm just there in a moment. And that's when when you're there in a moment, you're being authentic and you're being present. And that's when you can truly be seen on the inside and on the outside. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) Long Story Short is an advice column for achy, breaky hearts, curious libidos, and desperately seeking humans of the female persuasion. If you're looking for straight-from-the-hip advice because emotion loves to settle in the hips, you're in the right place. Long Story Short provides real-world advice for women like you. Why? Because sometimes you need a little perspective about the shit that's going on in your life. Submit your Long Story Short to bit.ly forward slash long story short advice. Do you ever struggle to allow yourself to be seen by others? Oh, daily. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Everything, you know, the whole being seen and expanding, it's a daily practice. I'm not going to say it's a daily struggle because I don't want to put that out there. It's a daily practice, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just like everything else I've had to practice. You know, you kind of stumble in the beginning, you know, and I feel like, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting there. Um, this has been definitely within the last couple of years, a a new practice for me, but I'm getting better at um, allowing myself to be seen and in a way that's authentic and not how do I want, how do I want other people to perceive me? You know, thinking about it from an external point of view and really just how do I feel like showing up today? (laughs) You know? So that's, that's something that I do. I mean, and I'm gonna tell you, especially around that time of the month, there are days (laughs) where I'm just like, no, I don't want to be around anyone. I don't want to be seen. But that's a great um, point, though, because, you know, when we are, when when we're actually menstruating, Mm -hmm. it's we, we've been conditioned to think we're supposed to push through but it's a natural instinct to want to cocoon during that time to go mm-hmm. within and and you like you said to not particularly be seen you know to mm-hmm. to swaddle and kind of be introspective there's right. so much clarity that can come through 
during that time. But we've been so conditioned to be like, oh, you're just being bitchy. No, I just don't feel like being fucking bothered. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, it's, exactly. and it's okay if I don't want to be bothered. Like, why is that a thing? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and I think back to in, in, in indigenous times when, when women were on their cycle, you know, we went off, not because we were seen, you know, in some cultures it was seen as impure, but, you know, in native cultures, native and African cultures, it was, it was seen as a time for a woman to connect with nature, to be more connected with the moon, more connected with her cycle and her intuition. And so it was a part, it was actually all of the emotions that we store up throughout the month as our uterine lining is growing and expanding a lot of our emotions, you know, the seed of that is, is in our womb. So when we bleed, that's actually a time when we're, we're shedding all of, all of the emotions and everything that we have absorbed and picked up energetically, physically, whatever, throughout the course of the month. And so it's a time where you're supposed to be, that's, that's our yin time. If we're talking about yin and yang, it's a yin time, a time to go inward and express out outwardly you know we're going in to 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 really focus on that which we want to clear out and then what we want to bring in afterwards so yeah it's it's a time that i like to take alone right <laughs> and i wasn't always conscious about what was happening there you know and and that did cause a lot of you know emotional and physical stress during that time but I notice as I'm softened more into being okay with that, you know, at that time not being seen and saying, look, you know, I have days and I have times of the month where I shine brighter. This is not one of those times. <laughs> and so I'm going to take that time to just be with me and be okay with that. Absolutely. This is a great segue because, you mm -hmm. know, as, as a woman, um, I know one of my what continues to be work like my continuous work and it probably will be lifelong is mm -hmm. is is actually allowing myself to receive and as i'm saying this mm -hmm. i'm looking at a sticky note that i wrote i don't know how long ago on a uh -huh. sticky note that says smile on the on the top of it in flowers and it, there's a quote that says you can only get what you have the capacity to receive by Maru. <laughs> <laughs> Maru is amazing. And oh, oh my goodness. So, so it's interesting that you say that because I have, you know, right on my walls, I have, you know, the sticky notes everywhere um, with different things. And I have on, <laughs> on my, my wall, my life is expanding in so many beautiful ways. My capacity to receive love expands infinitely yes. like the universe. Yes. <laughs> With still, the smiley I, face. Right? I, I still wear my, my blue infinite receiving bracelet all the time. I have it on right now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it goes with me everywhere. Yes. So tell it's such me, a great reminder. Tell me a little bit about your own your own challenge. I won't even say struggle, but your own challenges mm -hmm. with receiving. Well, it first starts with knowing that I didn't even know I had a challenge with receiving. You and me you know? both. The only money problem when someone talked about money blocks, mm -hmm. I used to dismiss that conversation because I would say the only money problem, money block I have is not enough. Like I didn't. Right. <laughs> 
exactly. nothing else. I was like, I don't know why people keep talking about money blocks because the only block I have is that my bank account does not reflect what I want it to. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because I was in a program actually to to help with money blocks. You know, about a year ago, I started realizing that as I was building my business, something was off. You know, what I was putting out was not what I was getting back in. And there was, so there was that energetic, from an energetic standpoint, because I'm all about energy, there was that energetic drain. And it's like, you know, driving the car, but only, you know, putting a dollar worth of gas back in, you know, and that's what I was, I was feeling. And so I started to look at money blocks and, you know, where they were coming from. I looked at my family life, you know, how we, how we talk about, you know, we take on our family's old beliefs about money, things that we've heard, you know, money is the root of all evil. Um, you know, I can't afford this, this is too expensive, all of these kind of negative things about, about money. And that's how it started. My, my journey with receiving started is learning about, learning about that. And it was about, I would say six months ago or so, where I was reading a book, and I believe it was um, a book by Jen Sincero, I'm a Badass at Making Money, which if you've never read that book, I would highly suggest it. It's, it's hilarious. She's very real, raw, down to earth, and it, there was a lot of aha moments in that book for me. But there was a point when she talked about being open to receiving money. And I was like, you know, I did that kind of Scooby-Doo, like, what? you know, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Being open to receiving, like, of course, I'm open to receiving. I don't, I don't have enough. So of course, I'm going to be open to receiving more. But that was my aha moment was seeing that, wait a minute. In that moment, I said, there's two parts to this. It's the desire and then the ability to receive the desire. And I'm telling you when I I jumped out of my seat knowing that because I started realizing as I was clearing all of these money blocks the one thing I had not focused on was being open energetically and even physically to receiving it. You know, receiving that in my life, receiving and from money, I also talked about because it's never really just about money. It's it's typically about about pleasure. You know, yes. am I open to receiving more pleasure in my life? And that's when I realized that I was not. I was I was closed down. There were locks and bolts on the door. There was security code, <laughs> <laughs> guard dog. It was it was completely shut down. And that was the moment, and I could feel it in my body, that moment when it was just like, oh, Mia, you're on to something. This is it. You have been so close to receiving. And so what that led me to is to think about times in my life where I had pushed away receiving something. And something that everyone can relate to is compliments. You know, we talk, you know, depending upon how you were brought up, you're taught to be very humble you know, and that was definitely me. And so whenever someone would give me a compliment, I would get extremely bashful and try to take the attention. And interesting thing, because we talked about wanting attention, I would take that attention away from me because I felt uncomfortable with receiving 
something that was pleasurable. And in this case, it was a compliment, you know. And from there, I just looked at other aspects of that. And I was like, wow, there's so much that I have closed myself off to without even knowing it. Like clothes was actually my default, Mm -hmm. you know. You know, it's so interesting that you say that. I just finished reading the most amazing fiction book (laughs) that I can't stop recommending it to everyone that I talk to. Okay, I'm Um, taking note. (laughs) Okay, the book is called The Little Paris Bookshop. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. It's written by this woman, Nina George, and I believe she's um, German, but it's beautiful. It is luscious in the sense that Mm -hmm. it's so descriptive. And, you know, of course, Paris is an amazingly sensuous place anyway. It's visually stunning and the smells and the tastes and the textures. And so all of those things are in the book. But it's actually about this man who runs a bookshop, but it's Mm -hmm. on a barge. And he doesn't say it. He doesn't call himself a bookseller. He calls Mm -hmm. himself a literary, um, a, a literary pharmacist. And he Ooh. calls his book, his shop an apothecary. So he feels like he prescribes books. He doesn't sell them. Love it. And, and so one of the, one of the, there were so many really great, insightful moments in the book, but one of the things Look, and now I'm going to um, try to find the quote that, that you know, I I read fiction with a notebook just like I do nonfiction because uh-huh. they are always so many, the characters say amazing shit, you know? like They, <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely do. And that's another thing. I'm glad you brought that up because I do need to get back into reading more fiction novels. That's something that always gave me pleasure and I've I've kind of sneaked away from that in my in my years so I'm glad we're talking about this when you're when you're building a business it's easy to get away from it but you know one of the one of the great things about reading fiction that I think people who don't necessarily indulge themselves because I feel like fiction is definitely a delicious indulgence but people Mm -hmm. that don't indulge on fiction they don't realize how fiction really expands your compassion muscle yeah, because you are forced sometimes to see beyond a person because mm-hmm. sometimes you don't like the character, you know, like there are characters. Right. There's always a character that you just are like, your fucking ass is annoying, you know, or or I wish that <laughs> yes. I hope, or I hope on the next page they kill you, you know, like there are those <laughs> those characters that you don't like that well. Um, but the the great thing about fiction that that doesn't always that you're not always able to do in real life is the author allows you to see the inner machinations of the character. You get to see why someone's acting like that. Whereas in real life, if if the person doesn't reveal it to you, you just think they're an asshole for the sake of being an asshole, right? But exactly. in, in fiction, you get to see all of the dimensions. You get to you get to hear the, inside the the person's head and see why what's driving the behavior. So it actually makes you more compassionate. Mm, but, but, that's an interesting point. 
Yeah. It's so, so yeah, you, so you sure. feel deeply, you know, cause there, this book doesn't have any characters actually that you feel like there are no characters that you hate in the book. Everybody's okay. amazing, but, um, but they're complex characters and okay. your heart aches and bursts and joy rises and love is effervescent. Like I felt all of these things and mm. I, I didn't, it's one of the few fiction books that I, I actually can't wait to read it again because I know I'm going to get something else. But one of the things, one of the characters in the book bring brought up a point about loving. And mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about this before, but as a woman, at least in my life, I am much more comfortable loving than I am being loved. Mm, wow. Yes. I right. I can relate to that. Yes. I did. Yes, yes, yes. That's an aha for me. I didn't even know until I read a fiction book. Wow. That's why fiction is important. But (laughs) that's why fiction. But there were so many great things. Like here was another question that was posed in the book. Is your body capable of loving and being loved? Your body. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we Mm -hmm. think about our hearts. But when I think about when I when I read that, the reason it was so telling because i could think of all of the all of the times when someone embraced me when i couldn't receive it when mm. i stiffened instead of softened yeah you know what i'm saying and in those moments yeah. I, my body wasn't able to be loved right the times when i was when when i was making love or it should have been but it couldn't have been because i wasn't in the room exactly yes <laughs> right? mm-hmm. you know? Like it should have been making love, but it wasn't because I wasn't in the room. The times when, when pleasure was at my fingertips and I couldn't, I opened my hand instead of grasping. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I felt all of the, I was like, oh my God. Like I was, it was like a, a movie playing. Cause I, I literally could see so many experiences where I, slam the door in love's face Mm. but I was willing to open it if it meant me loving somebody but but often I couldn't receive love in return not to mention I sometimes it was that I couldn't receive the flavor of love that was being offered yes I am (laughs) first of all miss wordplay here (laughs) Like, I just, I felt that because that's so true. It's, and sometimes it's because we have an idea in our mind of what love is supposed to look like, feel like, taste like. Yes. But mm-hmm. we, that we, and this is about receiving as well. That's something that I have learned. And this can be applied to, you know, relationship, business, money, whatever, is that we are so focused. You know, we get our tunnel vision set on one thing. And it says it has to come like this. He has to be six foot two and work, you know, in a in a good corporate job, with great benefits, and you know, or you know, something of that nature. Or I have to make money only through having my own business, my own company. And yet, and still, we only see this one door. But there are all these doors surrounding us, on top of us, behind behind us, and and below us that are opening. But everything is just stagnant there because. We're trying to get this one door to open. Mm-hmm. And so we're not, you know, we're not open to receiving 
like you said, that flavor of what, the way it wants to come. Yes, it's such a thing. And I think that we don't, you know, it's so easy not to connect money and love and sex. Yeah. It's so easy to think that, okay, sex and love go together, but not money, you know, or, oh. or, or sex and money go together, but not love. Right. <laughs> right. And they are, they are, they are triplets. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so easy to not see the connection. And yeah. again, like to look at like, okay, my money isn't flowing. And, but rather than looking at you know, if when the money doesn't flow, we immediately start looking or thinking of ways to create money or to a, how to get a job or how to get a new client or whatever. But we rarely will will make the connection to, OK, my money isn't flowing, but am I allowing love? Right. Like, am I allowing myself to receive love? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. And I'm so much more comfortable loving than being loved. And I'm getting much better at saying, just saying thank you and, mm-hmm. and allowing someone to just do something for the sake of my pleasure, uh, you know, rather yeah. than, and, and without, because this is the, this is the thing, this is what I, I, I'm so accustomed to doing is is if someone gives me something or does something that's pleasurable for me, then I immediately feel like I have to reciprocate in some way. Exactly. And, and that, so I'm, I'm getting better at just letting that, be, let it, letting someone give me something and just saying thank you without feeling like, you know, like if someone gives you a gift, now you got to go out and get a gift. No, you don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, as women, we do that all the time. All the you know, time. the compliment, like somebody gives you a compliment and you feel like you start searching them like, okay, what can I compliment them on? Right. <laughs> In this moment, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like a thank you and a pause is, is yes. all that needs to happen. Yeah. And I'm getting, and at first it's uncomfortable because you, because that part of you wants to like jump back to say something. And it's like, still, it's taking, you know, it's taking the spotlight off of you, but sometimes you need that spotlight and you need to be comfortable in that space. Like in that little sea of love that was just created for you, you need to get comfortable with swimming in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. So juicy stuff. So expansive. (laughs) Okay. So the last quote from this book and, and, and it's a question that I think is a great uh, next question how long have you ever been genuinely happy in one stretch? Ooh. <laughs> right? Whoa. Look, look wow. this is fiction. This is fiction. This is the reason that people need to read more fiction. Because what these... What was that? All <laughs> time name again? Um, Nina George. There's another book that she just came out with. Um, the Little French Bistro. I haven't read that one yet, but I can't wait. Because I'm like, I loved the little Paris bookshop so much that I can't even believe that it hadn't been on my TBR. And it, and it's so, it's so, I'm so, I'm such a book whore that whenever I get (laughs) like, it's so bad that like when I'm on, if I'm on Twitter and someone mentions a book, I immediately go to my library app to make, to see if they have it at the library. And it was a book that someone mentioned. Actually, it was a book that came on an email like uh, I'm I'm on all kinds of um, I'm subscribed to all kind of lists that are about books and writing and stuff. And it was mm-hmm. a book that was in an email 
and I looked it up. I, I read the description and then I looked it up and then I was so excited when I when I found that it was at the bookstore. I mean at the library. And mm-hmm. I read it and and since since I it's been several weeks since I since I finished the book and I can't stop talking about it and I can't mm-hmm. stop telling people about how they need to read it because it, it mm-hmm. was that good to me. It was just wow. so Oh my goodness. Like all of the feelings and, and, and all of this insight, like I literally, I mean, I, I typically take notes. It's not unusual for me to take yeah. notes um, when I'm reading a fiction book, but this one, and when mm-hmm. I sat with the, how long have you ever been genuinely happy in one stretch? My, my knee jerk reaction to that question mm-hmm. was, it's easier for me to measure how long I've been unhappy in one stretch because that I don't experience yeah. unhappiness in very, I don't, I never experience it for long periods of time. However, the opposite of unhappy isn't necessarily happy. There's a lot of space in between there. And so I struggle to, to be able to measure and I'm like, oh my goodness. And that, that just was, it just reminded me that I probably haven't been as present for my happiness. And that's Mm. why I can't remember. Yes. Wow. I, I can relate to that. (laughs) And I'm sure we're not the only women who can completely be like, whoa, you know, mind blown in this moment. Mm -hmm. I was asked by a coach of mine, um, when was to, to recall a time when I had a lot of joy in my life. And I remember I was on the phone with her or we were doing a video call and I sat there and I started to get embarrassed because in this moment, this was a co- several months ago, just like, I can't really, I don't know that I can answer that question because, and then for the same reasons you said, I don't think I was as present for the joy and for mm-hmm. the happiness as I have been for the sorrow and the struggle because those things seemed pressing at the time even though it was just a case of me being um, in the habit of paying attention to those things, making them important. And so to answer that question, I'm going to have to say that I am at the starting line in the last two months of being present for my happiness And so this is the start of what I consider to be my long stretch. Now. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to start by first downloading that book (laughs) so that I can. I cannot recommend it. I can't recommend it enough. I really can't. Like that book with Mm -hmm. your Guinness float, that right there, like, (laughs) ooh. Yeah, you know what? That book is not a Guinness quote book. It's a wine. It's a wine glass. Okay. Yeah. It, it it's it's a it's definitely it's a book that should be savored. So it it definitely mm-hmm. is is more of a glass of wine on you know an evening. And I don't even know. It doesn't feel like a weekend book to me. It feels like okay. a you know curl up at the end of the day. You know you with you in your bed like with the lamp on. You know, mm-hmm. with, with your dog laying at your feet, like <laughs> yeah, it will right. set the stage. Yeah, <laughs> with a glass of 
wine and that it's that book. It's it that's the setting for the book. Oh, that that sounds expansive and pleasurable and delicious and like it's going to happen. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I I really can't recommend that book enough. Like it's so beautifully written. Like the the mm-hmm. language, the descriptions. I mean, the way that he describes books, and there are a lot mm-hmm. of like books that are like dropped in there. So like there are notes okay. for that, like books that that he mentions mm-hmm. or he prescribes to some of the characters. But um, it's just so good. It's so so good. I it's it's that. very it's a very sensual read, but very entertaining. Also, I can't wait. Thank you for sharing that. I'm. I'm looking forward to I love I'm I'm a book whore as well. So whenever I can hear a name drop, I think I've probably downloaded 10 books already in the last three weeks. So right. Yes. yes. Well, that one, I, I recommend you putting it like putting it at the top, like because I think especially like, you know, we're like summer's almost over. We're midway through summer now. And um, it's a great summer read. But but you are you're going to want to. It, it's, it will be a great book club book because for women, mm. I feel like, you know, because sometimes when we think about reading books for women, we we only want to read nonfiction. Like right now, um, yeah. Mama, Mama Gina's Pussy is a is a popular women's group, women's book club book. And, and I have mm. it. I haven't read it yet. And I heard it was great. But I mean, I okay. think that there's something to be said about. About fiction and how that too can be really expansive for you as a person, because we you right. know fiction books are written by people. They can they're about people, right? Exactly. Yes. So they they offer just as much. They offer just as much as as nonfiction. So That's right. Yeah. I agree. So good. So good. Well, this is a great place for us to now have a few aftercare questions. So. So what's the, how do you like to be taken care of after you've, after an, an evening of lovemaking? Like, how do you like to be taken care of when it's all done? Mm. You know, I'll have to say, I'm one of those who it's like, snuggle me in, mm-hmm. you know, make me a hot cup of tea. <laughs> right. I, I I tend to get hungry after, <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe a couple strawberries, cherries, maybe some, you know, some fruit, you know, that's always something, just something succulent right mm-hmm. afterwards to have afterwards, um, a little honey in the tea mm-hmm. and hold me, rub my feet, rub my back, rub my fingers, just rub whatever you can get your hands on. And um, let's just fall asleep together. That's how I like to be taken care of. Yes, that's beautiful. What's yeah. What's the best after sex compliment you've ever given someone? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, that's interesting. I've never been asked that question before. Let's see. The best compliment. I think the the best compliment would be that I have ever given would be like I feel complete. Oh, that was good. I feel complete. I remember yeah. just laying there and just 
and this is probably before I fell asleep because it was, it, it definitely completed me at that point. At that mm-hmm, point, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I, I feel so complete right now. I don't need anything else. I am mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt that, but I've never said that to somebody. Like, I remember, like, having an amazing experience with somebody and, 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 and later saying to myself, I feel so complete in that experience that I don't care if I ever see him again. But I didn't say mm. I didn't say it like yes. I, it was just something I had. I I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess now I feel like I should say it to the person like I feel complete. That's good. Mm-hmm. You're amazing. <laughs> Ditto. Sister, yeah, you are you're amazing. This was so good. This is fun. Thank yeah. you for having me on. Thank you. This was so insightful. Look, now I'm still thinking about that damn outfit I was wearing in the seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even believe that I unearthed that. I had, you know, it's so crazy how you bury these yes. these moments, you know, um, these moments so deep. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was just having a conversation with someone yesterday. And I was saying, I said something like, you know, I just want to enjoy all there is to enjoy for however long it lasts. And the mm-hmm. other person said, well, I want it to last long. And I said, but you see, if it lasts for one moment or 20 years, it will still feel like a moment. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, like no matter how much Absolutely. time passed, it's still going to feel like it was too fast or too soon and so I think like I just don't want to I no longer want to measure things by how long they last I really the same way I don't want to like I don't measure whether something tastes good I would rather it be quality over quantity but I feel the exact same way about moments and relationships and experiences like I really don't care how long I just want to enjoy the quality of the experience when I'm in it because at the end it won't matter. You know, it's the same, again, it's the same Mm -hmm. thing with food. Like if something tastes really good or you have a lot of it, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're done, there's a part of you that's going to still feel like you want more. Right. Whether you want it, want it more flavor or more food, you know? (laughs) Exactly. 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 And that reminds me of the best date I had ever been on is something that it wasn't even with a, you know, a boyfriend or a prospect at the time. It was just me and a friend and it wasn't even classified as a date. But when I compare it to real dates I've actually been on, I'm like, wow, I, you know, it lasted a moment. But I can think about that. Like I have that for the rest of my life as an experience in in my mind, you know, and in my heart that that was so beautiful and it was such quality to it. You know, it wasn't a lot of time, but it was such good quality that I can think about it now and feel like I'm right in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one yeah. of those moments. This, this conversation has been one of those things for me. Oh, ditto. This has been such a fun fun time i wish it was two hours long <laughs> right well not like like we talk for two hours all the time <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> that's true well thank you so much for sharing your time with me thank you for 
allowing your heart to be open and for you modeling so beautifully what it looks like to be present. Mm. Thank you for holding the space for me to do that. Thank you. I'm so grateful. I love you, sister. I love you too. The Sensuality Project is produced, edited, and hosted by me. Music by bensound.com. The Sensuality Project podcast is a production of stacyherrera.com.